Our results are a direct reflection of our ability to convey the ideas, the thoughts, the information that we're, we'd like to get across. People are not telepathic. You know, my telepathy is not working well. So I, I need to be an effective communicator and my sphere of influence, the size and quality is a direct reflection of those abilities. Hey guys, welcome to The Map, the martial arts professional podcast. I'm Professor Pete McHugh. With me is Kiyoshi Thomas Clifford. Kiyoshi, how are you? Great. I'm looking forward to another episode. Awesome. We're in, uh, yeah, we're on episode 10. And today we want to talk about some, you know, it's all important. All these things are, are, are crucial to, to running a successful school and having the ability to be a professional martial arts instructor full time. And today we're going to talk about your sphere of influence, your circle of influence, because in a lot of ways, your ability to influence your students and your community is going to dictate your long term success, like without the ability to influence people, like how can you be a teacher? How can you have a professional school? Right? You You cannot. So it's an excellent topic. Let's dig in. Yeah, let's go. So I remember a long time ago, when I first embarked on my professional journey, when I, you know, I left college, I uh, was kind of haphazardly putting in resumes, half-heartedly, I would say, into uh, publishing houses in New York City, you know, because I didn't really want to do it. I wanted to be a martial artist. My one concern was this, and I asked you, where is, where does my job security lie, right? So if I'm going to do this, you know, there is no 401k for me. There is no like retirement plan. Where's my, where's my job security? And you said to me, and I don't know if you remember, you said your job security lies in the value you bring to the marketplace. Yes. And that's, right? well, I wish I'd made that up. You know, that's something I, I've heard a lot of the adults say over the years. So, you know, far be it for me to claim uh, ownership of that pearl of wisdom. Uh, I, I heard that many times from, from others. Yeah. It was a very adult thing to say. I repeat it often. Yeah. Look, it, it hit home. It hit home and it's something I use all the time. And it, it was uh, just the perfect thing at the right time. So it, it kind of got me on the right foot. It set me off on the right foot in this journey of mine to take it seriously and to take it professionally and to always hone my skills. And then I, I think the next really big epiphany, the really big realization I had was my ability to build rapport, my ability to, to influence people is what's going to really dictate my success. And that's something that I share with all my staff. Like, like your, your job security lies in, yeah, the value you bring, but in, in what we do in our field of martial arts, the value lies in your ability to both build rapport, which I would say is like the, the immediate aspect of the relationship. And then secondly, and most importantly, is your ability to affect influence on the people within your sphere. So let's break it down a little bit. And, and you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. So let's define the marketplace. You know, what is the marketplace? And, and the real question is not what is the marketplace? The question is, who is the marketplace? And the marketplace are the people who you are reaching and who you can potentially reach. The people who are 
within your sphere of potential influence. Those are human beings. And the, the value you bring to the marketplace comes down to the value you bring to your relationships. And we're talking about relationships with our students, the instructor-student relationship. How do we bring maximum value to those relationships? And that's what it's going to boil down to. So we can, let's expand on it. It could be as simple as, the, the truth is this, my opinion, and I, I, I don't think I'm wrong. If you show up day in and day out with passion, with professionalism, with a clear intent of trying to improve your students' lives through martial arts instruction, and you do it skillfully, it, it, you're going to, you're going to like, you know, impact their lives. You're going to, you're going to have influence over them. Um, but I, I, I just feel compelled to take that a step further. Mm. Like I want to be able to influence my, our goal here. And, you know, I'll be very transparent. Our quote unquote marketing strategy is how do we strengthen our tribe and give a glimpse of that to the outside world to, to make this tribe seem appealing. And that's all done through influence on the mat and then beyond. Right. So I guess the question I would have for you is what sort of do we have any responsibility as a school owner to to try to impact the outside world, to try to influence the outside world off the mat? And that starts with our students lives off the mat. So we're either contributing to or we are parasitically sucking from the global martial arts marketing matrix. We are either adding to it or we are taking away. And if we're not adding to it, we're, we're, we can get away with it, but our conscience cannot. Eventually, we're going to come to an awareness that we're taking where we are not giving. We are reaping where we are not sowing. And you can get away with it, but you, you live the guilt of a thief, which I'd prefer not to do. I prefer, to, I prefer to reap where I've sown. I prefer to give and contribute um, in, in direct proportion to the ways in which I grow. So if I'm not adding to the overall marketing matrix in my small way, in my small way as largely as I possibly can, I don't feel good and I shouldn't. I'm glad. Right. I feel good when I'm doing those things. So when you talk about the podcast and, and what's the benefit, like W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? And what's in it for you, Professor McHugh? What, what are we getting from it? Well, we're sharpening our saw. You know, the delivery system for the overwhelming majority of our curriculum is verbal. We, we teach through verbal communication. Our body language is important and, and there's a, you know, our ability to write and convey our thoughts in print, et cetera. Those are very, very important. And martial arts presents well visually, but our verbal craft, our verbal communication needs to constantly be improved. So doing a podcast helps us with that. Right. It helps yeah. us spread our message, our point of view, our perspective, which we both acknowledge is merely a fragment of the overall martial arts matrix, what everyone else is doing to add value to that endeavor. So authenticity, I think is crucial. And I, and I 
I'm of the belief that people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I think intent, intention, intentionality, um, it begins there. You know, what, what are you really trying to achieve? And it, it goes back to, are you only trying to get or are you only trying to give? Now, are you only trying to give and you're not trying to get? I don't think either of those on their own are functional. Because if you're only giving and you're not getting, you're going to run out. No matter how much abundance you've deluded yourself into believing you have, doesn't matter how big the pile is, whether it's a pile of cash, a pile of products, uh, or a, a library of information. If you're not adding to it and refining it, and if you yourself do not continue to grow, there will come a point where you've given it all away. So it is important that you both are getting and giving and that your intentions are made clear. I think it should be obvious to the people who you try to influence, especially in the personal development space, that you're personally developing. Yes. Yourself are personally developing. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. And I, I agree with you. I think in the same way, and again, you I've heard this from you, and you can probably say it a lot better than me. Like, if you're like apathetic about martial arts, your students are going to be bored. You know what I mean? Like there's that continuum where like, if you're excited, they'll be engaged. If you're like passionate, they'll be excited. If you were, there's like an influence continuum and it, 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 it goes, if you're interested, people are going to be indifferent. If you're motivated, they'll be interested. If you're inspired, they'll be motivated, but it is only when you're obsessed that you're, you're actually able to sustain an inspirational influence with the people you interface with. And the obsession level is a personal choice. You can't obsess someone. They have to choose to do that. But you can literally get a reactive or reactionary response of inspiration if you're on the level of obsession. If you have that uh, magnificent obsession, as it were, you can bring the people in your sphere of influence to a level of deep inspiration. They will be inspired. But if we go back down the ladder and we're just interested, people are indifferent. Right. And I don't blame. Look in that same vein. uh, If you're going to be a leader, I think your quote unquote followers, the people in your sphere of influence, your students, they've got to see that you're obsessed. Like you said, like you've got to be on that path to personal development. So my, question to you, you know, if you're listening to this is like, what are the the practices, the routines that are a big part of your life to ensure that you're on that path? Like, what are you reading? What are you, what are you digesting? Like, what are you, what are you striving towards? How are you becoming a better communicator? Right. So, you know, readers are leaders, leaders are readers that, that you know, this idea that um, if you, we have, resources at our fingertips constantly where we can tap into the the greatest minds uh who've ever lived you know there's biographies and and books and all sorts of tremendous information out there that's both informational and inspirational that we ought to be tapping into on a regular basis like i i don't know what your book list looks like right now 
Um, I tend to consume most of my books in the audio format. And I do that for two reasons. I do that one because it's efficient and I, I do uh, an awful lot of driving. So I'm in my truck on a regular basis. So I like to, uh, that's, that's one of the only examples where multitasking seems to be effective. So I can drive and listen and do both effectively. Uh, the other reason I like audio format is because I deliver my information verbally as well. I certainly have a blog and I, I like to send out emails and I send out a lot of uh, my information in a written format. But what I do on a regular basis in the classroom and on the mat is spoken communication. So I like audio books for that very reason. And I prefer it when the author is doing the reading because it really gives me a little more insight through their tonality and the way they read what they've written. Uh, it just gives me what I believe to be a greater depth of understanding of the information. So that would be a, a primary practice, would be reading or listening to the, the great minds of other people who have, uh, who have put together bodies of work that are relevant to what we're doing. I, um, I'm not a big fan of audiobooks. I, I like to read. It's, I learn better that way, but I know what you mean. Like when you listen to the audiobook, you got to hear in the author's voice because nobody understands what it's supposed to sound like better than the author. And I agree. Um, but you know, a huge thing. So I wouldn't call it a trick, but, a you listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Right. And, um, I like to hear the author talk about his work. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was going to say one of like my favorite techniques for, look, we're in the, the business of communication, whether you like it or not, we're in the, the business of, of influence. You are an influencer. Whether wait, you wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's be clear. Like if, you know, if you're wondering why you're, our results are a direct reflection of our ability to convey the ideas, the thoughts, the information that we're we'd like to get across. People are not telepathic. You know, my telepathy is not working well. So I, I need to be an effective communicator and my sphere of influence, the size and quality is a direct reflection of those abilities. Agreed. About it. Agreed. It's directly correlated. You can put it on a graph and no matter how strong a communicator you think you are, like it can always be better. We always want to be a better communicator. And especially if you have staff members, I would argue that we would all love, we would pay any amount to make them better communicators. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things. So if, if I'm onboarding a new instructor and you know, they have marbles in their mouths or they're not comfortable speaking in front of people, they don't know how to articulate and enunciate one of the things I'll do is I'll get, I'll hand them a book and I'll have them go home and read it out loud. Yes. Literally read a book or a magazine out loud. It's one of the you know easiest ways to learn how to do this. Yes. That's a great drill. That's a great training method. I, I, I highly recommend it. And then you want to get to the point where they're able to actually read out loud in a staff meeting in front of their peer group. So if you're, if you have the option of reading something yourself or uh, choosing someone else to, to have that, that responsibility, you're, you're much better off passing that off to the other people on the team. In other words, if we're gonna read a three-page summary of such and such, 
each member of the staff has an opportunity to read a a paragraph or two so that they get used to that, the ability to to read and speak and communicate more publicly. And if if they're able to read someone else's words, it's both going to train them and it's also a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more difficult to, you don't, you kind of don't know what you're going to say next, yet you say it anyway. But when you're reading someone else's words and you haven't read them before, it's a skill and it makes you a lot better at, at communicating spontaneously when you're not reading off the sheet, when you don't have the script, when you're not reading what someone else wrote and you're actually putting it into your own words, that's where the rubber meets the road. But but I like that you, you be with having them read someone else's writing out loud. Yeah, so it's a big part of, or, of being able to articulate and in terms of a, a, a professional presentation of your school, I would just hate to have a, a parent watching a kid's class where my my young or maybe inexperienced instructor can't speak properly. And one another reason that I would like to read and I like to encourage my staff members to read is it's a surefire way to expand your vocabulary. It's a surefire way to um, deepen your understanding of grammar, yes. right? And And with that, it just raises your level of influence. Your ability to communicate has a direct impact on your ability to influence people. Let's uh, let's take a step a little bit further to something that you and I have very different approaches to, which is, um, I, we'll call it social media, but really like our, our reach off the mat, staying in our, our students' minds, in their lives, keeping our students' attention throughout the day when they're not here training. It's an interesting topic, you know, and it, it's, um, I would first want to say that, that I am a white belt when it comes to my reach off the mat. And uh, part of it is, is a, an underlying belief that in order for people to benefit most significantly from the martial arts, I believe they need to train. And what I, I'm cautious about what I want to be careful of is never leading anyone into believing that, that somehow enjoying your martial arts two-dimensionally, like in some sort of an audio-visual format, is a substitute for classroom participation. That, that might be my mental block, but it is certainly my belief. And, and now, it, right. I'd like to hear your point of view because I think you do an incredible job of giving enough of a glimpse of what it's like inside your classroom. Like you're letting people kind of peek behind the curtain, but you're not leading them to believe that they can somehow make themselves exempt from participating. Right. I It's happened through the training. Yeah, I'm glad to talk about this. This might be the first time that we disagree on something. So here's my my opinion on on the social media engagement. So I can see where you would think it's it's almost like it's satisfying that that need to train. Like, all right, I I see the post, I'm reading about it. Maybe that's close enough. I found it has the opposite effect and we call it FOMO, the fear of missing out. So it's very, it's a... 
it's calculated. Like I, I want my students who did not train that day to see how much they missed out on. I see. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that pain of anxiety, like, Oh no, I missed out. They're going to be back tomorrow. Um, and it goes way beyond that. My look, we're always competing for attention, mm -hmm. right? So we're, we're living through the attention economy right now. So right now, if you're listening to this, you, you chose to click on our podcast because you deemed it valuable for some reason, but you know, the idea is you could have found something else. So you had to make that judgment call and people are being bombarded with these choices all day, every day. So my approach is why not just be an ever present if they choose to be, um, you know, option here for my students to engage. So we're always putting things out for my students to engage with. And it could be as simple as like an Instagram poll. Like, would you guys rather do no gi or a gi? Why would I do something so seemingly insignificant? Because now they're thinking about jujitsu. They're, they're not thinking about, you know, some, some TikTok video that they saw. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about their teammates. They're seeing pictures of themselves training. Right. And the other thing to think about is, man, martial arts is so exciting. It's so powerful. It's so impactful. And they just get, they get done training. Say they take a 12, 12 PM class. They just got done training. So for the rest of the day, they're still excited about it and they're not going to go to work and like, you know, maybe they will chat up their, their coworkers, but they want to engage with their teammates. That's the, their favorite part of the day. I see. My job is to create a social media environment where there's always engagement. It's, it's an extension of the locker room. It's an extension of the, of the mat. My observation of your uh, social media posts, what you're putting out there, the actual, uh, what would you call it? Your content. Is that the right nomenclature? Your content is extraordinarily attractive yeah. and appealing. Yeah. It, and, and engaging. You know, I, I understand the necessity for it to, to be a, a two-way uh, there's a two-way option. There's an opportunity for people to actually engage. So they actually feel like they're involved and, and you are able to do that. You've done that extraordinarily well. So I, I, I believe that your social media efforts and correct me if I'm wrong, have as much to do with retention as they do to have with recruitment. And I would, that I'd even say that your posts have a little more to do with retention than they do than they have to do with recruitment now here here's this is really an important distinction and i'm glad yeah. that you you noticed that it's i would say it's almost entirely about retention ah. almost entirely ah. it's all about showing what, a glimpse like you said a glimpse of what happens here it's engaging it's it's about the tribe why because people who stumble upon it from the outside like, I'm not going to convince somebody to come try jujitsu. Like, I don't, I don't think so. It's still pretty niche. Uh, it's pretty intimidating. Mm -hmm. But if I can get a, give a glimpse of how welcome, lowering the barrier of entry, like letting people see how welcoming we are here, how strong the relationships are here, how professionally run my classes are, how clean it is, how well lit it is, how passionate and excited the instructors are. If I can do that in these brief videos and these high resolution photos, which I can easily, when somebody comes across my social media or like my, my Google page or my website, the barrier of entry has just been lowered, right? They don't need, I don't need to entice them to come in. I don't need to reach out to them. 
because they can see for themselves what they're going to come into, what they can expect. So you're giving a very accurate portrayal of what's happening in your school. And it is very attractive and very appealing. So if look, I, I think the mistake, I think the mistake is trying to position your social media as a way to, to sell your, your program. I just don't think it can work. And it, let me be, let me make sure I'm clear and understand what it is you're saying. You're not going to get direct response for inquiries. And that's, that's not what you're looking for. You're not looking to put up an Instagram video and get inquiries as a result, as a direct result of that particular post. I, I, in seven years, in seven years of trying and learning and doing a pretty good job, it's, it's never given me a return. So it's not giving you a direct return, but in terms of, of trying to get inquiries, correct. Yeah, directly. So in other words, uh, like the Gary Vaynerchuk, like right hook, like, Hey, click on this link. That stuff doesn't work for me. But and, and look, here's the thing. But it does because your posts are the jabs. They are. But I, the point I want to make is there's no, I, I don't write hook. It's all jabs. Well, you do write hook because you have a huge enrollment. And I'm not trying to split hairs with you because we're both short on that. The, <laughs> the idea is that if I understand it conceptually, and this is, important for me to understand uh you're you're not trying to make an offer on your instagram video for someone to directly respond to then and there and end up making an appointment you're you're using your instagram medium to chum the water so to speak the enrollment enrollment's going to happen through Abby, the actual, the actual uh, landing page and an opportunity for someone to set an appointment and actually come in and experience the class live is going to be facilitated through your website. Am I correct? Correct. Right. Now, let me be clear. Most of my social media posts, it's highlighting what's happening here mm-hmm. and it's, it's accomplishing a few things. And we've talked about this, but number one, I want my entire tribe, my student base to be able to speak the language, the language of martial arts, of jujitsu, the language of personal development, the language of, of teamwork, all these things. I, they need to be able to speak the language and I don't want them to only have the training effect physically, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want them to only experience the class and then they go home and then that's it. And I want them to anchor that in. And one of the ways to wink, to anchor that in is, is through, you know, these social media posts and, and the ability to articulate what they just experienced. Hmm. Right. So it, it, that's one thing that's going to accomplish. It's going to anchor in the, the training effect. It's going to help them articulate to themselves and to the people in their spheres of influence, what they're ben- how they're benefiting from, from training. Um, it's going to give an engaging uh, opportunity for our students to interact with each other on social media, to comment, to, to compliment, to highlight each other, to talk about like what happened in class. That's powerful in itself. And then a tertiary, you know, opportunity there is it's giving a glimpse a very authentic as authentic as it gets to the outside world, the people who are not training yet. We've got more people now than we ever have 
who are enrolling and there's they'll they'll tell me that they follow our social media just a few years ago i would never have i would always have to direct them to our instagram and our facebook after they enrolled now we have a handful of people out of like you know every 20 enrollments are saying yeah i've been following you on instagram for a while and why are they doing that that's what we do now that's so what people they are do. in fact they are in fact just to, so i'm clear they are in fact finding out quite a bit about the school about your program through social media they are finding they're going to find a lot more about my my program by going to my for just one example out of many to my instagram and they're going to scroll through your entire history on your instagram grid your instagram profile because one post is not going to tell them much mm. your website even as great as our website is it's not going to give a, a very deep glimpse of what my academy is and people are not going to make, I hate to say, a purchasing decision without doing that that deep investigation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that when somebody goes to Google, there I have a thousand high resolution images, high quality photos on, on my on my Google Photos. I want to make sure if they go to Facebook, I have well written, well thought out, well articulated uh, thoughts about why we should like what we get from training, what the academy culture is like, who we are as instructors. That's what Facebook is for, for a little bit, you know, the great posts that you put up, they fit well on Facebook. And my Instagram is perfect for a, an actual, like visual glimpse and almost like, uh, it's almost like carnal. Like it's, it's, there's like texture to it. You can see so much more about the academy through that medium. And that's how somebody can really feel comfortable making a decision to come in. I see. And you also seem to strategically include a wide range of students in your videos. So you're, you're using, if you're trying to highlight your children's program, you don't seem to just put up the two most proficient kids in your program it looks like you have a cross-section of all ages stages and levels within that particular program that you're promoting so if you were promoting your little sharks is that what you call it tiny sharks tiny sharks how would you do that would you just show the the most skilled tiny shark you have or would you grab a a smaller child from one of the more uh, the higher training levels and, and, and (laughs) position him as a, as a tiny shark, or are you authentically presenting children who are actually in that program, giving a cross section, certainly bringing awareness to something spectacular, but it looks like your videos convey the idea that less is not more, more is more that maximum participation leads to maximum progress. It doesn't seem like you're trying to hide the fact that you like a very well-populated classroom. Am I accurate in saying that? Yeah, you're accurate. Social proof. Look, I have, I have two daughters, right? And I know that they're not always going to be the Mm all-star and I wouldn't want to put them into a program where if they're not appreciated and that they're not going to get anything out of it. Some days I highlight the all-stars because they deserve it and it's impressive. Some days I highlight, you know, the, the size of the class because that's social proof and we're proud of it. Um, I think that lowers the barrier of entry. Some days I highlight the instructor because he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's a selling point in himself. Um, 
the you've got to if with just a little bit of thought, a little bit of effort, you can really give an amazing, powerful glimpse into your all of your programs. But what? But the 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 pitfall fall is white noise, the same picture from the same angle every time. Nobody cares how big your classes are in, in your social media pictures, like if you're doing it every day for for a month straight. Like, you know, how do you give a glimpse into what you're trying to sell? What would I do to give a glimpse? I want to give an accurate depiction. I think, you know, often people will ask, what are the do's and the don'ts? And the do's and the don'ts are very simple. You know, don't, don't portray your program in your promotional materials in a way that does not accurately depict what it is that you do. You, you, you don't want to bait and switch. The idea of presenting your program outwardly one way and having it be a very different thing when people get there is very disappointing to say the least. So I think that that's the don't. And the obvious do is have your promotional materials, your advertising or marketing, um, whatever level you think your uh, materials are on, I would call it all promotional and have them be an accurate portrayal of what the experience is going to be when they're participating in person. It is true that we're trying, like right now, we're um, theoretically competing for ears in an audio podcast. Uh, on a lot of our social media, we're competing for eyeballs. But what we really need is in-person participation. Those other things are mechanisms to lead people toward in-person participation. So we don't want it to be exclusively that. And if I understand what you're saying is this idea, the fear of missing out is the effect you're after. It, it needs to be the the right amount, the right quality, the right duration, the right frequency of an audiovisual presentation of what the in-person experience is going to be. Is that yeah, a, so, a good summary? Yeah, and look, I can, I can understand. It seems like a daunting thing. You don't, you're not experienced with social media, and I'm not. A, I wouldn't call myself a black belt, but we have a strong following. Mm-hmm. A good way to think about it is this: What does your program offer? Right. So what are the benefits of your program? For example, uh, your kid will develop focus in my program. Okay. Show me. How do you show me? Show me a, pic- a picture of a kid focusing. Show me a video of a kid focusing. Show me an interview that you did, a 20 second interview after class with a kid who talks about focus. Your program develops de- determination, perseverance, an indomitable spirit. That's an easy one. Show me a kid who, who's practicing martial arts right? Who's sweating, who's, who's exerting himself. So the exercise that I like is to, is you often see this, you'll see this in social media where people will put up a picture and say, caption this. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a joke. It's, you know, it's meant to be entertaining, but there's a lot of value in that. In, in that if you're looking at your photographs, if you're looking at the images that you have of your program, and you're not able to accurately caption them in a way that would intuitively occur to someone else aside from besides you, you're not doing a good job. 
you you need to make sure that the image and the message are congruent. Am I is that is that the effect you're after? You use the example of focus. So you're going to have an image that is consistent with that particular attribute. And there are images that are not consistent with that particular attribute. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's, it's authenticity. So what ad agency are you using to do that work for you? Like, are you going to share with the listeners, the, the ad agency who you've hired to do that for you? No, it's a secret. It's working too well. And I want it all for myself. No, it's trial and error. It's trial and error. And the easiest way to learn how to do this, in my opinion, is, look, you're on social media. We all spend some time on social media. What do you find to be engaging? What resonates with you? What medium speaks to you? What has been impactful to you? Now run that through the filter of your martial arts school and your programs and just try to mimic that, right? And you're going to, you'll fall down on your face, just like when you tried to do a jump, you know, jump outside kick for the first time. So the, you're going to, you're going to learn what, what gain, gains traction, as I like to say. So to be clear, you're not hiring an ad agency. You're of course not never in a million years, never. Well, you could, you could, or you don't, I guess you could. And you don't because no one is going to be able to come up with as bullseye accurate, a representation of, of, McHugh Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's it's the same reason that you prefer when your audiobooks are read by the author. Mm, excellent. I, I follow that. Okay. I understand that. And that makes a lot of sense. And look, I'm gonna take it a step further because I know I know some people are reluctant and resistant to being on a camera, to to having their voice recorded, to being in people's faces. And I'm just telling you, like the where we are right now your students, not only can they benefit immensely from that, they expect it from you. Mm. They expect the language of leadership these days is content. And that's my opinion. So I, if, if you're not comfortable being in front of a camera and you feel like maybe you don't have like the, the right things to say, I would say you got to start and you're going to be surprised at what you know. Mm. And if you're not comfortable, you know, doing social media posts, I would ask you, why not? Why not? Right. And, and usually I think the answer is maybe you're not able to articulate your knowledge as well as you should be. Right. So what does that mean? You need to start writing. You need to start thinking about these things a little bit more. You need to start having conversations with, with peers, with mentors. And one of the most beneficial things of, you know, our relationship and even this podcast is, you know, my, now my ability to codify what it is we do so well and guess who's benefited the most from that. Not me, my students. Mm-hmm. my staff members, mm-hmm. right? Like my, I need everybody to speak this language. I, I need everybody to, to, you know, under my influence to, to gain as much as they can. And the way to do that is to maximize my output of influence. We would call it through all these different mediums that are available to me. What is that? Social media, obvious, right? YouTube, just doing high resolution photos or videos of concepts and you know, maybe pitfalls to avoid that everybody can benefit from. We all have the frequently asked questions. We all know the five or six questions you get from your students on a regular basis. That is your YouTube video for tomorrow. Mm. And your students are going to greatly appreciate it. Right. And then man, do a pod. There's no reason that every, all, every school owner, 
and I'm saying this, you know, adamantly, there is no reason that every single school owner does not have a podcast. It's, it's too easy to do and it's too impactful to not do it. I see. And what would, what would be the expectation? What would be a, an expectation for someone to have uh, when they start off doing these things, if they're not yet doing them, what would hey, be you're the same, the same exact expectation you have of your white belts. I see. What do you think creates some of the resistance or reluctance? Why do you think that, what do you think makes a, a person who's not uh, currently posting on Instagram, making videos or doesn't have high resolution photography? What are some of the obstacles that uh, you might not know because you don't have these obstacles, but what no, do you think? Look, I have, re I have the same, I have resistance. You know, I have resistance. It's, you got to think big picture. Look, in terms of like the high resolution photography and videography, the number one hurdle is, is finances. Right. And I get that. Luckily, like if you, if you have an iPhone 12, you're now, a, congratulations, you're a professional photographer, mm. right? Like the iPhone 12 and the next one, it's going to make professional photography in some ways obsolete. And you can take amazing videos and but obviously aside from that nobody likes to be bad at things you know it's daunting it's daunting to have to learn something new and and a big hurdle i would say probably the biggest hurdle would be maybe you just don't see the value in it there's 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 something blocking your view of the value in it mm. Mm. to a detriment i think i see i see so again to make sure i i understand this clearly we're putting at least as much, if not more effort into the retention component of our social media as we are into recruitment. And, and when I say that, if I'm listening and understanding what you're saying, uh, what you're not expecting is direct response. You're not expecting to put out a Facebook post or an Instagram video and immediately get autoresponder uh, inquiries popping up on your phone. The closest I'll come is, is maybe a post highlighting some of my new white belts, maybe showing them training, maybe showing them losing weight, maybe showing them overcoming something early on in their journey and highlighting that, explaining what's happening, talking about the benefits, how incredible it is, which is, is genuine and sincere in an attempt to highlight those people. It's not some Trojan horse. Mm -hmm. And then maybe at the end of that, that post I'll put, and you can, there's a spot for you too. And then I'll put my website. Look, my quote unquote call to action is always directing people to my website, which I, I, I rarely do to be honest, but if I were to do it, a call to action, I would simply put mcqbjj.com. So let's ask, let's ask ourselves a great question. Like how the hell is, why does Abby work? Like, like, why is that working so well? It's a mystery to me. And I, and I'd like it <laughs> a mystery, I have to tell you, because I've had a bunch of websites and what ended up happening with every website I've ever professionally done websites, you know, website companies who promise a, a plethora, a, you know, a tremendous influx of inquiries and paid trials, et cetera. And none of them have worked. Abby is the first. And it's going to be the last, I believe. I, I, don't, I don't think I'll ever be in need 
In fact, I know I will not be in need of another website. So what's your thought on that? Why is Abby so effective? You have no idea, do you? I mean, I, I can guess, but why would I want to guess? It's just, it is. So I, I here's how much I believe in that website. Uh, I sat down with a, a dear friend of mine. He's a school owner. He's struggling a little bit and really he wants to grow his school. So we were going through just some, some, some fundamental changes he's got to make to start really seeing results to grow his school. And one of the first ones was I told him he's got to get an Abbey site. And I'm, I, I believe in it so much. I, I offered to pay for it, for it. I was like, I'll pay for it. It's, Mm-hmm. It, it works that well. It's that fail safe. I will pay for it. I'll pay your first three months right now. Beautiful. And again, you have no idea why it's working so well. Like I, I, mean, I, I can, I can guess I, a couple big parts of it, a yeah. few big look, and this is coming from a guy who I used to build my own website. Right. Mm-hmm. So well, it was okay. It was okay. Like I, you know, I, I, I really dove in, learned the ins and outs of, of what makes a good website it was good. It looked good. It was functional. You could, you know, do leads on there. You could pay for your first month. Abby, it, it's, it loads faster than any other website, which is huge, right? So if your website takes more than a couple seconds to load, forget about it. People are leaving it. It's clean. It's professional. And it's just, it's designed to capture leads. And we could talk about like SEO and, you know, yeah. search optimization oh. I can speak on is the aesthetics and it's very attractive. I like, I like the look, but beyond the look, as far as the architecture and the coding and the electrons and the protons and the croutons, I, I don't know how it works and I don't want to know. I just, yeah, like, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I like that it works. And I rarely, I rarely have that attitude toward anything that has to do with my martial arts school. I like to really understand it, but this Look, here, here, here's something that's important to add on. If, if we want to keep talking about Abby, which I gladly will, but it's, it's, it, the site itself is not off putting. I've, I've had other sites just like you did. And mm-hmm. I felt not very good about it. I didn't like the verbiage they were using that, that like the ad copy, it felt kind of grimy to me, salesy. Yeah. Abby does not do that. And on top of that, the people there, they have integrity. They have integrity. So it's like, it's a quote unquote business relationship that I can be comfortable with. Yes. No question about that. And it, again, it, it works. It's working. I, I'm glad that I don't have to know how to code. I'm glad that I don't have to get in there and um, work on my ad words and all sorts of other things. It's, it's the one thing that I have that sort of contradicts my approach which I, I don't want a hands-on approach when it comes to my website. I want a hands-on approach with my social media, but not with my website. So let's go back to social media. Why are you taking direct Do you delegate that to a staff member? Are you, are you putting uh, another member of the team in charge of your marketing messages? Or are you I doing just- I just, for the first time in seven years, gave access to our, our um, Instagram page to one of my staff members and students. Mm-hmm. She's been our photographer, videographer, content, I guess, director, you could call her, for the last six years. And she knows to how to speak the language. She knows what I'm looking for. And she's got a better eye for capturing these glimpses of the magic that happens here than I do. Now, with that being said, she knows that if there's an in-depth post, that's my responsibility. If there's 
certain content, like verbiage that needs to go out. That's my responsibility. And if it's simply like giving a, a visual audio visual glimpse of what happens here, that's, that's her wheelhouse. I see. Okay. And ha are you, are you having uh remorse? Do you miss it? Like what's your, I, I like posting and I'm not going to stop. Like I like communicating with my students. So her responsibilities will augment and reinforce what it is that you're already doing, but you're not going to take your hands off of it completely. Correct. And look, another thing is she's, you know, she's younger than me. She's a millennial. She's younger than me. She's in the know. Mm -hmm. She's good at, at like Instagram stories and TikTok and things like that. And I know when I need help and I, I, I own enough of myself to ask for help and she's, she's better at it. It's been working beautifully. Terrific. So let me ask you a few questions. Maybe that, you know, some of the listeners are, are, are wondering about, um, how, how much do you hate doing this? Like how much do you, do you hate putting these things together or do you really enjoy it? The content? Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Is it something you enjoy? Is it part of your passion or is it just a, you know, a necessary evil? Where do you stand on it? I've come to enjoy it. Look, I love, I love what I do. I love my school. And you know what I found? I found the deeper I dive into what it is that we do and what it is that people get from this, the deeper I, I dive into it. And the, the better my understanding of myself as a leader and a communicator and I, the better I sharpen my skills, the more enjoyable that look, it's the same as when you're t talking to the kids, when I'm talking to the kids about jujitsu, one of the things, especially after a very challenging class, I'll say, guys, guess what? The better you get at jujitsu, the more fun it becomes. And that's the same advice I'll give anybody about making a video. The better you get at communicating and understanding these platforms, the more fun and you know rewarding it becomes. So if we go back to the beginning and we're talking about your leadership, your credibility, the authenticity and validity of who you are as a person who's encouraging other people to grow, uh, the cultivating of this competency is certainly admired. It's certainly appreciated. It's certainly respected by the members of your school. In other words, they clearly are aware of the fact that you've been, you've become quite an expert at putting these things together. Does that add to or detract from their perception of who you are. Yeah, it adds to it. It, it so they don't they don't think that the only thing you can do is an uma plata. No, no, absolutely not. No, they know it's it's a it's a community here. It's it's an entity. It's not just like the, the class. But the skill is what I'm referring to. I, I again you the skill of, of me getting better at it. It's something that you aren't good at. Like, look, we're, we're encouraging people who come to us and they have competencies. Nobody comes to us without a competency. You know, I have kids who come to the class and their parents will say to me, they, you know, he doesn't know how to do anything. Well, he knows how to blow bubbles. He knows how to do something like <laughs> everybody has a competency. Well, you know, at that age and stage, like if you can blow bubbles or tie your shoe or you know, hop up and down on what, there's a whole bunch of things that they matter. In other words, they're building blocks. And the further, the higher up on the tree you go, you have grown ups coming to see you, adults, 
you know, family with, you know, children of their own uh, in six, real relationships, et cetera, they already have competencies, but you're asking them to, to set their competency aside and begin again and put on a white belt. I just think it's it's very important in order to have the moral authority to make such a suggestion that we are doing the same thing. You know, I recently embarked upon a new endeavor and, and I've become obsessed with emergency medical services and I'm still a white belt. You know, I've been doing it for a year, but it it stretches me, it makes me grow there's nothing about it that's in conflict or that's contradictory with my life as a martial artist. It's very complimentary. It, it coincides beautifully with what I am, what I do as a professional martial artist on the mat. It's not eclipsing that identity. I'm a martial artist first and foremost, but I think it's important not only for me that I put on my white belt and I'm growing, in a, in a realm outside of the classroom. But I think it encourages students to see that I'm actually walking my talk, that I myself am beginning again. I am cultivating new competencies. I'm continuing to sharpen my martial arts saw, but I've added to that a scalpel. You know, I've, I've added something more to it. So you know, we have a saw, we have a sword, we have a scalpel, you know, in your life, you're sharpening your martial arts saw metaphorically, you know, your katana, you're also sharpening the saw in your carpentry. That's another competency that you've cultivated. Talk a little bit about that. Like, what, what do you think is, do you think your students consider your foray or your, your entry into the world of woodworking as a conflict or a compliment to your role as a jujitsu instructor, specifically as their jujitsu instructor. Yeah. A compliment. They, they appreciate it, right? They, they appreciate my willingness to be a white belt again. They appreciate my, my willingness to be incompetent in something. And the, the, that's a really good comparison. And I, I want to point this out. If I go to build a piece of furniture, right like a buffet and it comes out terribly and it falls apart. My students, my jujitsu students are not going to look down upon me. Mm. You know what I mean? Likewise, if you try your, for your first time to put out a YouTube video and it's not good, they're just not going to watch it. Like they're not going to burn you at the stake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot more leeway than you might think. And as long as you're trying to add value, no one will fault you for it. And mm -hmm. someone will find value in it because if you're listening to this, you own a school most likely. What you do is valuable and you know so much more than you think. Find a way to learn to articulate it and find a way to, to share it through the, the proper medium. Because all, all these platforms have different medium. And it could be as simple as you, you start writing a blog. Like you've never written a blog before. I still have people reach out to me from across the country that just a certain blog hit them in the right way and they found value in it. That's important. That's important. Can Like my parents that come to me, they'll say, I mean, I read that article you wrote about like the little girl with the confidence issue, that was important for me. And that's how I found you. That's huge. So let's close with the fossil record. Let's discuss the fossil record. And what I mean by the fossil record is um, 
what's the first thing that you built as a carpenter in your in your venture into woodworking what was what's the first project that you completed yeah i if you want to call it that i made a garden bench okay where is it i ripped it apart for a scrap wood and built something pretty out of it it did okay so you you repurposed it yes you, you actually had it evolve that's interesting that's very interesting so you, you didn't dispose of it you didn't throw it away you didn't get rid of it you made it into no no oh that's that's an important distinction um what give me and you took a picture of it do you have a picture of the the way it looked originally or is it just in your own memory i mean i i know it vividly but i have some pictures of it yeah I, I asked this for a specific reason. So uh, give me another example of one of your early projects that you still have. Yeah, the shel the shelves. I made two shelving units in my living room. I, they're still there today. Okay. And when you look at them, you kind of... I see nothing but faults. <laughs> uh -huh. Are you glad you have them? Yeah, I'm glad I had... Look, the beauty so of, of doing it your own way is those faults, there's some I can laugh at and some I'm proud of. Yeah, I just, I, I want to make sure we're not losing sight of the fossil record. The yep. fossil record, like there's revisionist history and there's the fossil record. And I don't think we should make believe that the fossil record does not exist. And I think it's inspiring. I think it's encouraging. I think that, uh, have you ever read a post that you wrote five years ago? And you yeah. cringe. Is there value in the cringing? Yes. Okay. Look how far we've come. Is there value in your existing uh, student body, your classmates, as I would refer to them as? Is there benefit to them in reading your five-year-old blog post where you don't quite sound the way you do right now? They could tell it's the same guy, but they see evolution. Yeah, look, and in that same vein, the fossil record, like our, we, we've got videos playing all day in our lobby, just like you do. And a lot of them are like me training with the, the original guys seven years ago. I was a black belt. I was a pretty good black belt seven years ago. I watch those videos with my senior students now, and we all laugh. We laugh at how bad I was. Yo, but it's all, I, I, I'm not surprised, and it probably is very entertaining, but it's also very inspiring. Yeah. Yes. Underneath the laughter and you have to be able to laugh at yourself, but beneath the laughter is, is the contrast of where you are in, in relation to where you now are. And it, it plants the seed for the imagination of where you will be. And I just think it's a, it's a big mistake for people to try to erase the fossil record, to try to take down their old YouTube video. And how can I remove this? And I hope nobody archive that. I think it's important. I, for one, believe there's a lot of value in people being able to take a walk down memory lane and see what your humble beginnings actually were, actually looked like. It's certainly not going to make you look worse now can only make you look better. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, then you're really in trouble. But I, I, I think it's important for anyone who's reluctant to uh, start cultivating a competency. You know this, you talk to guys all the time who say that they're going to come to the academy. They just need to get in shape first. And 
three years later, you bump into them and imagine where they'd be had they enrolled the first time they bumped into you and said, I'm going to be there. I just want to get in shape first. You know, they'd be three years into it already. They'd be making tremendous progress, but they're allowing their fear to cause procrastination because they expect to be an expert at it immediately. And this simply doesn't work that way. Jiu-jitsu doesn't work that way. There's no martial art that works that way. You're not going to get this immediate overnight degree of excellence. It's a process. So I, I, I just think it's, it's, it's not only important, it's necessary for people to be willing to present themselves as a beginner with the, with the inspirational uh, knowing that just like they improved in the martial arts, they're going to improve in this other endeavor. And it's a great example to set. What would you say about that? Do you have any, any, any final thought on, and on how people can, can get past the, the gravity of not wanting to begin? Yeah, we're, look, not talking, we're not talking about jujitsu. We're talking about. Right. Getting your, getting content. If, if your school is a secret, like if there's no glimpse into your school, it's like, it's, it's going to be, it's going to have a feel of like a fight club, right? Like if there's no outside view of your school, it's, you're going to be a secret. I just don't see how, how you can grow to your potential. If, if you're not like putting ripples out in, in the world and it starts with the content, I just, you know, you just got to get started. Like you said. Great. All right. Well, I think uh, I certainly learned a lot and I'm certainly inspired to, to get off my butt. I got to, I have a lot of work to do and uh, it's back to the old drawing board. So let's, uh, let's look forward to next Wednesday and we will record again. We'll be on episode 11. Sounds good. Thanks Thanks. for listening guys. Take care.